0: Before we start today's episode, don't forget that the 35th Melbourne International Comedy Festival is running until the 24th of April, 2022. You'll be able to see laugh-out-loud performances from some of Australia's best comedians, as well as international guests who visit exclusively for the season. There's family-friendly performances available for the school holidays, as well as more raunchy performances for those late nights. You can snag yourself a bargain by going on Tight Ass Tuesday, showing a valid concession, or by buying a laugh pack. Purchase full price tickets for three or more eligible different shows to receive a 10% discount on your tickets. Head to comedyfestival.com.au now to start browsing all the shows available. Now, enjoy today's episode.
2: Actually, one of the things about clown is that actors... Quite often struggle because they've learnt habits. Like they know right. what works for them on stage, and Philip doesn't like that at all. He's like, "No, this is a what is this stupid? Uh, you know, this funny voice. This way, you, you come on. This is not no. You're big. This is big shit." Um, and he really does tear actors down. I think.
0: Welcome theatre fans and theatrical lovers to the Theatre Thoughts Podcast. My name's Justin, or you can call me Stin. On this episode, we're going to Melbourne to discuss the art of clowning and the Melbourne International Comedy Festival with performer Damien Warren-Smith. Damien has made a hilarious name for himself in the world of clowning and is touring his latest production, Gary Star Grease Lightning, which played at the Adelaide Festival and is going to play at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival as well as the Sydney Comedy Festival in 2020. 2022. Damien shares his hilarious insights into the theatrical world of clowning and the unique journey his life took that made him fall in love with this unique form of theatre. As usual, you can find all of our behind-the-scenes content and other episode content by searching the hashtag TTpodcast on Instagram, Facebook or TikTok. So, sit back, relax and get ready to laugh as we bring you another episode of the Theatre Thoughts Podcast. As some of you may be aware, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival is currently on. It's running from the 30th of March to the 24th of April, and we have a stupendous guest on the show to talk. He has spent the last 18 years as a writer, performer, producer in Australia and the UK, with some stints in Berlin as well as Las Vegas. He's trained at, and I'm sorry if I butcher this, the École Philippe Golière, and formed the comedy troupe Plague of Idiots. You might know him by his stage name, Gary Starr. On the podcast, we have Damien Warren-Smith.
2: Welcome. Thank you, Justin. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah, very exciting. Because as the podcast evolves, I keep having new people on all the time. So, I guess this is my first, like, straight-up comedy podcast.
2: <laughs> it's, in all honesty, I would not call what I do straight-up comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, look, I mean, it is. It's just, I've made a show purely to make people laugh, but I certainly wouldn't call myself a comedian. Because, uh, for me, comedian is very much, uh, I guess there's it, it, much more around stand up. I'd say it, more than anything I'm a clown or and, and I also think that I make theater. So it's um yeah, I mean uh, I mean I'm sure I'm sure uh, theater people would disagree. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, there's something very theatrical about my shows anyway.
0: Well, when I was looking into your background, you're right about like the clowning aspect and a lot of your work is based in the well the the, the theater of being a clown and clowning around and it it is different to just going out and telling jokes like you put on a show and bring these audiences in oh yeah um so we'll talk about we'll talk about melbourne in a sec but let's focus on where, where you started so do you have like any stories of what inspired you like what made you go oh you know i want to be a clown when i grow up you know this will be great
2: <laughs> well i mean i knew i wanted to be a performer much much earlier than uh, than i knew i wanted to be a clown and i remember i think like my first real performing was at the cooma little theater um when I was in primary school I remember I distinctly remember one of my best mates when I was in like year four or year five his mum was running she's a drama teacher at the local little theater and he used to have to go there walk over after school and so I for some reason started walking over with him and then we kind of joined the theater troupe and before I knew it I was playing the fairy godmother in in this kind of you know end of end of term production and i just had the best time and then it sort of came and went because i, I think i really f- i thought i wanted to be a sports person right because my older brother was so good at sport and when you've got an <laughs> older brother who's amazing at sport like, he'd win everything and i was like yeah i'm gonna be like him and i was always kind of average at sport but then it turned out i was really good at entertaining people so then we moved to canberra and i said so i did more drama in canberra and then um and then i think i finished year 12 and still and still wasn't convinced until someone sort of grabbed me by the, the scruff of the neck and was like, you need to go to drama school. Yeah. This is this is, this is the thing for you. So, uh, yes, yeah, so I moved to Sydney and I went to the Actor Center, which is now, this is when it was in Surrey Hills. It's now moved to Leichhardt, I believe. That was like 2002, 2004. And then as soon as I graduated, because I've got a UK passport, so I thought, all right, I'm going to go to London. So I moved, to, moved over to the UK and worked as an actor for like a decade. And it wasn't until sort of the end of that decade that I discovered clown. I was, I distinctly remember I was at a, a, I was sort of play up in Edinburgh, not during the fringe. I was doing a a kid's show up in Edinburgh. And uh, I went and saw this play called, it was Moby Dick. It was a retelling of Moby Dick by a company called Spy Monkey. And they've actually come and played the Melbourne Comedy Festival many, many years before that. But I'd never seen theatrical clown before. I didn't know it was a thing really. I I think, like many Australians, thought clowns just were circus, you know, red nose, big hair, big shoes. So, when I saw these four idiots trying to retell Moby Dick in a way that I'd just <laughs> never seen, I thought, what is this? I need to learn more. So, I started to delve into where they'd trained and they'd all trained with this guy who, whose name you butchered before Philippe Goliath. I'm so um, sorry, <laughs> but you didn't actually. You actually got his name. Great, it was Ecolé, which wasn't quite right. <laughs>
0: oh, okay, oh, terrible. I failed. I did French in in uh, in uni, and I failed it. So that's
2: no, like... you didn't butcher it at all. It was beautiful.
0: <laughs> I
2: mean, everyone's butchering it anyway. I don't think I even know I say it correctly. Yeah. Um. We'll just call him, We'll call him Phil. Um, Phil. But yeah. So they'd all trained with him. So I then I I couldn't quite leave the UK at that point because I you know had so much going on. I was working as an actor, and actually my career was starting to get to a point where i could i could make a living and work constantly as an actor which is kind of what you think is the dream and then Mm -hmm. i very quickly went i'm getting bored with this so i started to chase the clown route and uh my first workshop was actually with a, a woman from australia called peter Lilly, who teaches over in the uk and she was great and she Um, yeah, she sort of introduced me to clown and then I just trained with a whole bunch of other people. I left the the UK and went to Paris and trained with Philippe Gollier. Yeah, and I was there for, I did like a term and then I went away and did another acting job then I came back and did another term. So I didn't actually do the whole two years that you can do. But by that point, I trained with a lot of other clown teachers who were his kind of protégés. So I didn't feel I needed to do much more. Okay. Yeah, and then it's also sort of rolled from there. But it took a good four or five years really for, for after the training for it to really sink in because it's Mm. a, it's, it's a weird, it's a strange beast clown. It It
0: is. It's very different to like any form of theater really. And I guess um, like my own experience with it is just in its roots, like like the Commedia dell'arte. That's like the only real experience mm. I've had of, the notion of anything close to clowning. So I mean I guess for like for people who are new to it how would you ex- how would you describe it?
2: Well we actually well, this clown troupe I had was called the plague of the plague of idiots which I it was a group of people I formed out of Gallia and one of, we had this review once that described it as simple beautiful idiocy. <laughs> and I thought that's really I like that because it is just I mean clown is in a nutshell the thing about you that people laugh at is probably the core of what your clown is. Right. Um, And if you can harness that, if you can become aware of what it is about you, that is quite ridiculous, whether it is a physicality, you have something about your voice, a personality trait um, and, and harness what it is about you that is inherently ridiculous and then present that on stage. We don't present it. You just kind of Mm -hmm. tap into it. And, and it's, and I quite often that takes you back to how you were as a child. And that's the ultimate compliment for me was when my mum came saw my, my solo show for the first time and just, she just said, well, that was just you as a kid. That was everything you did, your mannerisms, everything, everything about it was like I'd just gone back like 20, 30 years in time. Okay. And so that was a huge compliment to me because I think it is about tapping into this childlike innocence and, 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 and play that we, we tend to lose as we get older.
0: How did you find, well, what, what's your thing? Like, what did, how did you find your thing and go, that's my clown, that's, that's him? <laughs> this is going to
2: sound, okay. I think what it was, because I remember I was, yeah, I, was, I was seeing this girl while we were in Goliath. And we were talking about what it is about other people that people say when they leave the room, because this is as, as, as harsh it as it is. It's kind of what your clan is. Like someone leaves the room and you go, oh God, can you believe that person's such and such? Yeah. If that person comes back in and they heighten that part of themselves, you would lose your shit. You'd be like, oh my gosh, they know that about themselves. And so mine was this, this like self-belief that I had that I could do anything. Um, and no matter what, I'd be like, yeah, I could do that. Yeah. I'll have a go at that. Yeah. I can do that. And uh, and she's kind of you know she'd said to me she's like you you think you could do anything like that's the kind of <laughs> and and <laughs> it this guy like <laughs> yeah, this guy he, he thinks he could do anything and sure enough you know because I had a lot of a lot of dramas like a lot of training as an actor and I'd done clown and, and so I had quite a lot of experience when I went anyway and so there were certain things activities that Philippe would constantly pull me up on stage for because he knew that I would get it but of course it also just meant that everyone just thought I was so arrogant because I'd do it and I'd nail it. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm not saying I didn't have some massive struggles. Like I bombed yeah. huge in so many things because actually one of the things about clown is that actors quite often struggle because they've learnt habits. Like they know right. what works for them on stage. And Philip doesn't like that at all. He's like, no, this is uh what is this stupid? Uh, you know, this funny voice, this way you, you come on. This is not, no, you're big, this is big shit. Um, and he really does tear actors down. I think. But um, yeah, so I, I and, and it, it didn't really sink in for many years until because then the plague of idiots came and I was kind of this host character. And then I was in, living in Berlin at the time because I wanted to have a break from acting. Every time I went back to London, my agent was kind of putting me up for things. I'm like, no, I don't want to do any more acting. It's a movie plan. Yeah. So I moved to Berlin. Nice. And, uh, and then this guy from London called uh, Marcel Lecomte has this thing called the Cabaret Fantastique. And he said to me, will you do a spot, like a five minute spot? I'm coming to Berlin. I was like, well, I haven't, even, haven't done any solo clown, you know. I, since golly I haven't done anything. And he's like, just say yes and just come and do it. And so I thought, what if at this point I was playing my character in the Plague of Idiots was called Gary Star and he was the host. What if the Plague of Idiots had refused to ever work with him again, but he refused to let the show die, and so decided to do the entire show on his own. <laughs> and then, I, and, and then I went okay. So I sort of came out and I was like, my name's Gary Star and. Uh, you know, normally I have a lot of more people, but they, for some reason, they're not here to make it. So I'm going to perform all of their, their numbers. And so I would do like musical theater, but I didn't understand what they were. Incredible. And, incredible, And it wasn't, it wasn't until afterwards that I remembered that time I got here and I was like, oh, this is my idiot. My idiot is this, this guy who's very high status and very low intelligence, who thinks he can do everything and he can't.
0: <laughs> That's so um, funny <laughs> Like literally <laughs> yeah. just kind of just fell into it I have this image Now that you've like Done the voice and everything Of just Golia Just standing there In like a turtleneck With a big cigar Just like Oh no Like it's not good It's, it's not pretty
2: good. close Yeah, yeah. He, he always wears a beret oh, And he lovely. has a big beard And uh, he usually Well he doesn't anymore But he used to have a glass of red wine <laughs> With him during class <laughs> Perfect but, <yeah. laughs> He's usually got like a cravat, like a scarf or something on. Yeah. And he's just lovely. I mean, when I say he's lovely, a lot of people have a really hard time because he will, he will, he will just poke and poke and poke at Mm. all your open wounds. And um, it's because he's trying to find that vulnerability in you. And I think, you know, I've heard people say there's not enough duty of care in that kind of work, but um, it's, uh, he's experimenting. Mm. He's experimenting on you. Yeah. He's experimenting on everyone. And he'll insist on something one term. And you speak to someone who's doing the next term and they'll be like, no, he's never mentioned that. It's
0: like and the so- uh, the whiplash debate. Uh, have you ever seen the film whiplash with uh, JK Simmons? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the the notion does fire fuel, you know, creativity or do you have to like kind yeah. of pander to people and make them feel good? It's an interesting, yeah. it's an interesting debate. I've had it many times. Yeah.
2: He, he, talk, he talks about it being via, via negativa. And I guess whiplash is a little bit that as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's uh, teaching via negativity rather than positivity and, I mean, there's so many, if you look, if you want positive actor training, there's so many schools out there who will be like, we'll, we'll, you know, cuddle you all the way through your degree. Mm, mm. But he offers something different, which is like, he will just, he doesn't even really work with people who don't bring
0: something. Okay,
2: like You've got to, you've got to bring something. He'll just go, oh, this person, not here's a little drum, here's a bit of drum. <laughs> you know, people who got to the end of the two years and they were like, you never work with me. He's like, girl, oh, you brought nothing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what happened when you got to Berlin? So you, you started discovering who Gary Starr was and you got to Berlin. How did it go?
2: Um, yeah, so from there, I just, it grew really quickly after that. Then, then I just, I already had the title of my show, which was Gary Starr performs everything. I was like, that's what it is. And at that point I was like, I just, I was going around the Berlin, sort of cabaret scene, just try I'd go every night and book a, you know, somewhere and be like, okay, today I'm going to do ballet. Tomorrow night I'm going to do contemporary art. And so by that point it was about all of art. So I thought I was going to perform all of art. And then I had like about probably like 30, 40 minutes of material. And I got in touch with this director called Cal McChrystal, who's just phenomenal. Like he's one of the best comedy directors in the world. Um, you know, since then, I mean, even before I was working with him, he was directing for the Royal Shakespeare Company and the National Theatre and um, massive feature films like, you know, The Amazing Spider-Man. He'd be brought in oh, wow. as a comedy consultant. Okay. But since then, now he's directing for like the English National Opera and like, you know, he's he's phenomenal. And I wrote to him when we were doing Plague of Idiots and asked him, hey, look, we, you don't have to put your name on it, but if we give you some money, will you work with us for a few days? Because he'd also trained with Gollier and so... Thankfully, he wrote back and said, "Look, I've got a little window of time. If you can be in London and you, you know, pay me some money, he'll work with us." And that, and that, you know, that was that was fine. That passed, and then uh, so then when it came to the solo show, I wrote to him again and I sent him a video and I said, "Look, I'm working on a solo once again." He was like, "Yeah, cool. You know, if you pay, I'll come work with you." And we got about a week into the the creation, and he said, "Do you know what?" If you want to put my name on this, you can. So oh, it was wow. then Gary Star performs everything, directed by Karma Crystal, and I think that that's, really helped. Yeah, it certainly got reviewers in.
0: Yeah, that's a that's <laughs> a big tick for sure.
2: Yeah, and it helped sell the show too because he also directed the Mighty Boosh. You know, like oh, really in their early right. days.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So it was
2: like, oh, if you like the Mighty Boosh, it's the same director and all that kind of stuff.
1: Hey, theatre thoughts listeners, it's your resident Sydney theatre nerd here, Charlotte. Another installment of our Cheap Thrills feature is here, and boy have I got some recommendations for you. If you're after something serious and emotional, Heroes of the Fourth Turning is playing at the Seymour Centre until 29th of April. You can grab $35 tickets if you're under 35. If you're after a laugh, the Sydney Comedy Festival is coming right up with acts like Gabby Bolt, The Bear Pack, and Robin Reynolds that I cannot wait for. This week, I'm reviewing Belvoir's The Rep Season, which is guaranteed to be a unique experience. It's two different plays on alternate nights with the same set and the same cast. And you can snag tickets from $35. Check out our website for the full list of my recs for great theatre for around $40. And keep your eye out for Maze as well. More comedy coming then, and a musical that maybe shouldn't be a musical from the Hayes Theatre Company. See you next time.
0: So Gary star, so he's, because my next question was going to be, who is he? Um, I guess you kind of already mm-hmm. touched on him. So he thinks he can do everything. He can do any form of art. But in your latest show that's currently in Melbourne, what, what's he trying to do?
2: So I, for the follow-up show, I thought, okay, it's got to be something else, which is unattainable, really highbrow, like pretentious enough that you can take the mickey out of. Um, and most people know a, a decent amount about it. And so Greek mythology was something that I came up yeah, with. perfect. And so actually in 2019, so the follow-up year to 2018 when I made Gary Stouffer's Everything, I decided to do this. So I called it Gary Conquers Troy and I started to make the show, but I was still performing Gary Stouffer's Everything and I was on the road and then I accepted another job, which ended up going to Vegas. It was like, so I was trying to make this show and then it just sort of became something else. Um, And it did reasonably well. I did Melbourne Comedy Festival, but small houses and then got to Edinburgh and struggled through. And then during the pandemic, it started to grow again. I thought, okay, if I was to revisit this now, I'm going to do all the Greek mythology I got a job as a delivery driver because you know it wasn't performing anymore. Yeah. And while driving, it just started to grow. And I had, I had like Stephen Fry's Mythos playing oh, so and all these good. other, That's you incredible. know, so got all these ideas started to spring up. And so I thought, well, I can't call it Gary Style Conquers Troy anymore; it's something different. And then I had this idea that he thinks that uh, Zeus, who's the god of thunder and sky, uh, is called Greece Lightning. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you: What do you do when you win?
0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> That's brilliant. I,
2: I love it. So it made me laugh. And, and quite often I would test it out. Like basically I have a stupid idea and then I say to my girlfriend, I, I go, hey, what do you think about this? And if she laughs, then I go, okay, let's make a scene yeah. out of it. So then I just started putting title cards up on my walls. So I just have like... Basically, I made a list of all the Greek mythological mm-hmm. figures that we know, gods, goddesses, Gorgons, uh, and then what we know about them, we being me and the general public. Because by this point, I still didn't know a lot. Yeah. Uh, and so it was like, okay, Medusa. We all know Medusa. Snakes for hair. Everyone knows that. Most people know she can turn people to stone. Great. Move that aside. You know, <laughs> you know Zeus, God of Thunder a Sky, lightning bolts. Great. Move that aside. Yeah. And then I also do this little thing, which I worked on with Cow, which is like, I wrote like a list of skills and they don't have to be things that I'm particularly good at, but. Like catching food in my mouth, walking on stilts, um, you know, a bit of acrobatic stuff, um, speaking text quickly, uh, you know, pretentious acting, you know, all (laughs) these kind of things from my past. I'm like, I can do these things. And then you go, how can I? How can Gary misunderstand Greek mythology knowing these things about these characters and work in this? And it's kind of, that's how the show grows. That
0: sounds hilarious. Like, well, we were talking earlier, um, our editor Charlotte came to see you in Wollongong and she she raved about it. um, And she's like, Justin, you have to go and see him. Like when he comes to Sydney, you have to see him. So that's why when I I decided to go to Melbourne to come to the comedy festival, I was like, all right, it's on, Damien's there, he's performing, Gary, I'll go see it. So I'm personally very excited. But like what... What's the best sort of reactions you've had to this particular performance? Is there anything that stands out?
2: Yeah. So I, I always, leave, when I at the end of the show, I say, thanks for coming. And I leave the auditorium first and I wait and I say, thanks to everyone on the way out because I want to know, I want to meet everyone and I want to know what they thought. And I've recently started setting up a, a video, a camera with a little light on it. And I say to people after the show, on the way out, there's a. If you see a little ring light there, it's recording. Just go up and say two or three words what you thought of the show, and I promise, whatever you say, Amazing. I'll post it online. And so I get people just like saying the. But I think the thing that more people say than than I ever expected is, uh, I loved it. I'm going to bring my mum. <laughs> oh no. And they do. And they, like, I get butt naked, you know. But, and they do. And then like a few days later, and this happens time and time again, they go, hi, do you remember me? And I go, yeah, she yeah. goes, this is my mum. And the mum's like, oh, my gosh,
0: that was so good. Oh, oh my it's God.
2: really, really funny. I can't believe how many people say it and follow through with it.
0: It's a weird thing, though, because I sometimes do that as well. And I go, I'll bring my mum to this. This will be great. Like, I don't know if it's the shock factor or just like you're the point where you're kind of looking over, like waiting for their reaction or I, I don't know. But that is that is so strange
2: yeah it is a funny thing well I think it's um look I, I think one of the things that people realize about the show is that it's a it's a it's a cross generational show in the sense that there's nothing political and divisive in the show and I think a lot of people are suffering particularly nowadays mm. where it's like can I see this with my parents because my parents you know believe these things and you know and they and this is something where there's nothing like I really try and avoid anything which is at any point people can go well I don't agree with that yeah you know it's Pure escapism. There's nothing political about it. And I think that's something. And it's also very childlike humor. And that's what people like. Every, everyone can relate to that. Clown is this mm. so it's so universal.
0: Yeah. It's just that ability to kind of switch off, enjoy someone being silly and, and stupid up on stage and just having that pure kind of cathartic joy. Yeah, this it
2: is absolutely that. And it's so I mean, already my this this show is is going to um, three continents and, in the next year, and 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 a lot of non English speaking. When I say non English speaking, like you know, places in like um, in Scandinavia where their English is great, but it's not a first language because it's, it's it's not it's not a i say it's not a cultural reference it's obviously you know greek culture but it's not like a, a dave hughes show where for example you know the moment you travel out of certain areas mm. it's like well i don't get that reference yeah these references are universal everyone knows something about greek mythology
0: would you have any plans to take it to greece
2: potentially um i think i don't think that they're as uh, proficient in <laughs> i <know>. i think <laughs> that a place like scandinavia everywhere you go everyone speaks english yeah. you know yeah so if i took it to when i take it to berlin for example the germans come and see it, but it's mostly yeah. the English po- English-speaking population. Right. Whereas the festivals I'm going to in, in Scandinavia even, they, I will get a lot of Scandinavians who are just like, they would correct my grammar. Okay. You know, it's like, so I think if I went to Greece or oh, anywhere, uh, most other countries in, in Southern Europe, I would probably try and get a translator. Yeah. Or, or I would tr- get someone to translate it and I would learn it. Like if I had a good oh, tour planned so in Italy or Greece... I would say I would find a comic from that country, and I say, okay, let, let's translate. Because I don't say a hell of a lot. I introduce a scene with a couple of like jokes, as in puns that I, I've misunderstood something, and that gets a little laugh. And then I do a game, which is quite often without without text, and it's like. You know, I've got, I've got music playing. And so that would really, really work anywhere. But the introductions, like the little segues, would just need to be yeah, translated. It could be
0: quite funny as well. You could play around with Gary just being like, oh yeah, I speak all these languages. Like I could do it.
2: Yeah. And also the funny thing is that because Plague of Idiots, um, we had a, a Frenchman, a, a Swiss girl, uh, an Italian guy, uh, or two Italian guys, an Englishman. And so what we found is that playing with language is really fun because when it's not your first language that you're performing in, you can appear like an absolute idiot. Yeah. Like you can come out and say words that everyone's like, he, he, he thinks that's the, you know, it's the yeah. wrong word. <laughs> Look at this fool. <laughs> so Look at this fool. So there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of room for, for performing in another language. It's um it's just such a ridiculous show. And because I rely on the audience so much, like I just yeah. kind of, I don't drag people up necessarily. Um, sometimes I do, but sometimes I just leave it open for someone to get up on stage and play. And, uh, and the, that, Danger because you just don't know how people are going to re- respond to things um, is what keeps it alive.
0: Has there been an audience member that has shocked you and surprised mm-hmm. you? Oh,
2: yeah, absolutely. Like, particularly early on, because I don't tend to over prescribe what I want them to do. So I say, okay, I need, I need someone up to get up and do this. And I don't say too much because I want to see how they're going to, you know, w- what they're going to do. And then I, I find the parameters that people tend to work in. And then I go, okay. Where's the best spot for them to be? How can okay. I gear them towards that spot without saying too much? Um, but I've had some really, really weird, sometimes a little bit frightening. I had a point where my technician or my stage manager was like, I wasn't sure whether I should intervene. I was like, oh, No, wow. it's okay. You know, I think, in all honesty, if if like if the genders were flipped, I think this could have been really quite frightening. Right. Um. And it was frightening enough as it is. Yeah. Um, but the wonderful thing is that. If someone does something ridiculous, once they've gone and sat down, you don't have to do much because yeah. you just look at the audience and they know what you're thinking. <laughs> they, they know this poor guy has no idea, had no idea that was going to happen.
0: Incredible. I think audiences are oh, they're like volatile, some of them, like some, especially if they've been drinking as well. They're just like, oh, yeah. I can do this. Inhibitions are gone and they kind of just let loose.
2: And that's the biggest one worry is the people who have drunk so much that they can't stop talking. And it's when they're talking, if they're talking at me, it's okay. Cause I can respond to that. Mm. But if they just can't, can't help the fact that they just want to talk to their neighbor and that just kills the show. So I get to the point now I've had that once in Adelaide and I'm, I'm, I wish in hindsight that I hadn't just, just got them to leave because, because Gary has to acknowledge everything that's happening in the room. So every time someone right. speaks, you're like, what was that? You know, like it's, it's, it's there everything is immediate okay but when people are muttering you can't hear it's like what is that you're saying and then they can't respond because they're too drunk and so uh, oh so you move on
0: yeah and it's just like oh, yeah it's a killer yeah, it really kills it oh, there you go yeah it's fascinating i always find it interesting hearing performers reactions to um to audiences and seeing like they, mm. they just shrug it off and go no 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 you know that's expected or how annoyed they actually get with some people because some people have no etiquette when it comes to theater, and I know yeah. I sound like a real snob, but like, I'll go to the theater and I was, uh, what did I say? I saw North by Northwest, which is entirely different. But I, there was this one person who had their feet up and both their shoes off, and I was just like, This is the theater, you can't have your shoes off. <laughs> I just felt like such a snob, but like, people just relax in a theater,
2: yeah, it's really funny. It's uh, yeah, I just get the weirdest things, and audience participants as well. Some people get really, uh, you know, quite shirty. They're kind of like, "Yeah, it's happened." I had some. There's a bit at the end of the show where it relies on this audience volunteer to come up and do something, and and uh, and it, without, you know, hands down, everyone's always does it because it's not asking a huge amount. And this person just refused to get up. It's the end of the show. It's like the finale. Okay. And then I was like, "Well, that's fine. Someone else could do it, but they wouldn't give the prop to someone else." And it's kind of like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, you come, you on, come on, come <laughs> <The> on,
1: ending. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, Damien, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm, I'm personally, you've got me like already giggling. I love Greek mythology. So I'm really excited <laughs> to see uh, how Gary stuffs it up and just presents something new. So thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I, I, I can't wait for you to see it as well. Look, I, I, I love doing it. Thanks so much, Dustin. A massive thank you to Damien Warren-Smith for joining us on the episode today. And thank you to Carly Cadogan at Nixco for helping to arrange the episode. You can book tickets to Gary Starr, Grease Lightning at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival for the 12th of April to the 24th of April by going to www.comedyfestival.com.au. You can book tickets to the run at the Sydney Comedy Festival on either Saturday the 7th or Sunday the 8th of May at sydneycomedyfest.com.au. You can also find all this information in this episode's description. That's it for another episode of the Theatre Thoughts podcast. If you're looking to see more theatre in 2022 and consider yourself to be a writer, why not join our growing team of reviewers? We are currently on the lookout for new writers in Sydney and Melbourne to join our team. You'll gain great experience in writing reviews and expressing your opinions, plus you get to see theatre shows on us. If this sounds like you, email us at team at outlook.com or by contacting us on our website online. and we'll see you next time here on the Theatre Thoughts Podcast.